Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Failed Critics Star Wars Rogue One special. I'm Steve Norman. I'm joined by Paul Field. Evening, fellas. Nearly forgot your name there. Have you for- it's only t- I just think it's how tired we all are after going to a midnight showing. I am exhausted, but go on, let's, we're going to fight through this. And Chris Packett, Dave, who comes back for his, his now annual appearance <laughs> on a Star Wars special. Evening, gents. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure, because the last year the Force Awakens podcast was... I think the most listened to ever failed critics podcast. Basically, any podcast that doesn't have Owen on it yeah. tends to do really well. It's probably the most I've spoken on any one podcast. It is. In fact, somebody's analysed, and you spoke more on that than you did in every other podcast for the entire year. Well, there you go. Um, but yes, with this, so at the end, we'll obviously review Star Wars Rogue One. Or is it Rogue One, a Star Wars story? Well, I think I it's think- just called Rogue One, officially. Like, if you go on IMDb... Like the official title is just Rogue One, but we'll be we'll be talking about that. And as it's the first movie Star Wars spin-off from the the Skywalker storyline, we'll be talking about all the other Star Wars spin-offs we've had from books, the comics, the TV shows, and cartoons, and whatever else. And we'll also do a spoiler-free review and a spoiler review, as it probably warrants a, a spoilerful. A review full of spoilers, as well as one that doesn't have any in. Chewbacca's a woman. Mm. Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father. <laughs> Should we do the quiz, Steve? <laughs> yeah, we'll start off with a quiz like we do on every podcast. Um, but there's no no bad film for the loser to watch, it's just for pride. Oh no, there's, there's a bad film for the loser to watch, don't you worry oh. about that. That's, <laughs> that's set in stone. Is it Caravan of Courage? It could be. Mm. Okay, so it's, this is a real simple quiz, guys. So it's, it's Dave... Versus Steve for the honour of watching something truly, truly awful. And it's a, a straight up questions, answers. If you if you don't know the answer, I'll pass it over to the other person to get a point. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay, Steve. Which is the only film of the original six in which the desert planet of Tatooine doesn't appear? Um, Empire Strikes Back. Point for Steve, well done. This is for you, Dave. Which 1981 blockbuster features characters from the original trilogy carved onto an ancient wall. Oh, that's uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It is. Well done, Chris Beckett. Dave? Thank you. Steve, easy. What's the name of the green-skinned bounty hunter that Han Solo kills in the Moss Eisley Cantina? Rido. Correct. They are going to get progressively more difficult. I should hope so. Dave, who kills Jabba the Hutt? Leia strangles him. She does indeed, well done. Well, she was kind of dressed as a dominatrix, wasn't she? She, she was, was dressed as a dominatrix. Yeah. Anyone here got any experience with dominatrixes? No, what's the plural of dominatrix, Dave? Uh, a, a, a damn good evening. <laughs> 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 shall, we, shall we move on? Yes. Um, Steve, 
Yes. Which of the original trilogy films has the most deaths? Most deaths? Mm. How, how many people on the first Death Star and the second? I reckon The New Hope, because the second Death Star wasn't fully built when it got blown up, and the first one was. All those contractors. Yeah, but there's more people on it. Once it's fully operational, it's full. When it's half built, it's half full. Yeah, you're correct, though. It's, it's, it's a point. Crucially, Alderaan. Well, yeah, that as well. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, of course. Blows up a whole planet. Yes. Yeah. Dave, yeah. which character does Ewan McGregor's uncle Dennis Lawson play in the original trilogy? Oh, is that is it Wedge? Oh, it is, Dave. Well yeah. done. Cool. Got, everyone's got them right so far. Uh, Steve. Yes. Which is the only film of the original six to be nominated for Best Picture, and what beat it for a bonus point? Um, I'd imagine it would be Empire Strikes Back. What beat it? Uh, Rocky. No, Dave. I'm going to pass it over. Star Wars, 1977. Yeah. And was it Annie Hall? It was. <laughs> well done. Two points, Dave, there. You, you, um, and this is your question next. They are, they are going to get tricky now. Which prop ended up nicknamed the Pork Burger by the special effects crew? Uh, uh, I'm going to guess the Jabba the Hutt puppet. No, Steve. No. Was it the Death Star? No, it was the Millennium Falcon. Oh, said yeah. That. It's like shaped like a chop. That makes sense. So, Steve, what does the term Blue Harvest mean in in context of the original trilogy? It was the working title of A New Hope. Oh, that's not correct. Dave, do you want to steal it? Was it the shooting title of Jedi? It was indeed. Because didn't they, they knew that if the location owners would know it was a Star Wars film, they'd, they'd really ramp up the, um, the cost for shooting there or something like that. Yep. Dave, what was Luke Skywalker's original surname? Uh, was it something like Darklighter? No. Steve, do you want to steal it? Yeah, Starkiller. Well done, Steve. Uh, I think Bigley's surname was Darklighter. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yes. Okay, um, this is a kind of uh, process of elimination here, but I will give you the answers at the end. Um, this is the opening lines round. So, Steve, do you want to go first or second? I'll go first. Okay, command station. This is ST321, code clearance blue. That, I reckon, could be a phantom menace. Okay. Dave? Yep. Senator, we're making our final approach into Coruscant. Oh, that's phantom menace. Okay. Steve? Yeah. Captain? Uh, is that it? That's it. <laughs> Captain? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I reckon it's Empire Strikes Back. Dave? Yeah. Lock on to him, R2. I've got the same mental block. I, I can't remember now how any of them begin. I think I know this one. Uh, lock on to him, R2. Is that Empire? Okay. Steve? Yeah. Echo 3 to Echo 7. Han, old buddy, do you read me? I oh, know that's Empire, isn't it? I've got the other one wrong. Okay, and then Dave? Yeah. Did you hear that? They shut down the main reactor. Now, that one is Star Wars, A New Hope. Well, I'll put you out of your uh, misery collective please. misery yes yeah. <laughs> command station this is ST321 coherence blue that was actually Return of the Jedi uh, so Steve you got that wrong how does that start when did they yeah, start it on starts that? with command station this is ST321 <laughs> coherence blue isn't uh, Darth flies towards the Death Star yeah it's near the shuttle it's, yeah the next one, Senator, we're making our final approach to Coruscant. That's Attack of the Clones. I've got my one wrong. I've got my, I've got my, my uh, Naboo mixed up with the Coruscant. Yep. Um, Captain was actually the Phantom Menace, Steve. Lock on to him, R2. Dave, that was, that was Revenge Re- of the Sith. That was Revenge of the Sith, yep. And then Echo 3 to Echo 7, Han, old buddy, do you read me? 
you got that right, Steve. It was the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And did you hear that they shut down the main reactor? Dave, you got that right. That was a new hope. So, Steve, next question is yours. Cool. What does Han Solo claim the Millennium Falcon can do in less than 12 parsecs? Castle run. There you go. Nice and easy one. Mm, very easy. Dave, which actor made lightsaber sounds when he was dueling, which had to be removed in post-production? Uh, Ewan McGregor? It's correct. Well done. Mm. Okay, Steve, mm-hmm. there's four questions in this round, and it's called, uh, which characters did these actors almost play? So, Steve, Benicio del Toro, who did he almost play? Because well, he's he's been cast in episode eight, hasn't he? Oh, okay, but I, yeah, maybe. Um, do you know what? I don't know. <laughs> but who who did he almost play in the past? Um, I don't think it would have been Han Solo. I really don't know because I th- I wouldn't have thought he'd been knocking about sort of when the original trilogy was. Was he almost Qui Gon Jinn? No, Dave. Do you want to have a go? Was he Darth Maul? It was indeed Darth Maul. Um, that, Dave, that makes no sense. No, I, I was like, Dave, your question. Who was Christopher Walken almost cast as? Oh, now that probably would have been original trilogy. Um, was he nearly Han Solo? He was nearly Han Solo. Yeah. Wow. That would have been a different kind of film. It would have been. <laughs> Steve. Yeah. Who, who was Gary Oldman almost cast as? Was he... Nearly, it's difficult to think of the older ones because you can. Well, they could have been the young actor in the original trilogy, mm. or an older guy in the prequel trilogy. Whereas if they were just the young, mm-hmm. it was it, this was for, from from the prequel. So I'll give you a clue. Gary Oldman, who was was he nearly quite on Jim? No, no. Dave, do you want to guess? I'll get that right in a minute. <laughs> I think I remember this being announced. Was he General General Grievous? He was nearly General Grievous. Yes. And Dave, last one. Who was nearly cast to play Jar Jar Binks? Who was near? Oh, that could have been anyone. Uh, I have uh, either Dolph Lundgren. No, <laughs> I've no idea. I've switched because it's too easy. I thought everyone would know this, so I tried to switch it around a bit. Steve, who was nearly cast as Jar Jar Binks? Snoop Dogg. N- no, it was Michael Jackson. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, dude. Okay, uh, Dave. Yes. Back to normal questions. What planet do Wookiees come from? Oh, God, I can never pronounce it, but it's 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 got a K and a Y in it. It's like Kachuk or could something like that. That's a lot of things with K-Y in it, Dave. Uh, yeah. Kachuk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, K- 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 I'll, 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 if Steve can do a better job than that, I'll give it to Steve. Isn't it Kachik? Yeah, well done, oh. Steve. Uh, Steve, your question. What grooming product was sprayed silver to make Key John's communicator? <laughs> was it a razor? It was a razor. Oh dear. Like in, in its little holder thing, probably. <laughs> okay, we're nearly the end there. Dave, what does Luke's uncle Owen do as a job? Oh, uh, he's a some sort of farmer, isn't he? Mm, but what sort of farmer is he? Uh, um, oh, uh, some sort of spice farmer. I, don't, I can't remember. No, Steve? Moisture. Yes, well done. Uh, Steve, your question. How many characters' hands does Anakin or Darth cut off? And can you name them? Luke Skywalker's hand. Yep. He cuts off the hands of... I think it's just one. No. Dave, I'll pass it over. He cuts off both of Christopher Lee's hands. Dooku's. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. But, um, I can't remember anyone else's. 
Oh, I can't put you in mystery. There was one more. It's Mace Windu. Yeah. Right. Name the thirteen characters, <laughs> and you could. This is the way. This is the last question. Name the thirteen characters who appear in both Revenge of the Sith and the original trilogy. You can take it in turns, and you can get a point for each. Revenge of the Sith and the original trilogy. Yep. Right. Okay. It's Luke Skywalker. Okay. Right. And cross that out, and a point for Steve. Dave. Okay, well, by default, I'll go Princess Leia. Point for Dave. Steve? Obi Kenobi. Correct. Dave? The Emperor. Palpatine, correct. Yep. Yoda. Yoda, correct. Dave? Darth Vader. Yep. Got you doing well on this, Steve? Uh, R2-D2. Correct, Steve. Dave? C-3PO. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now it's, it's going to get difficult, isn't it? I don't know. I've got a couple up my sleeve. Okay. Chewbacca. Correct. How many have you got left? Uh, four. Um, I think it's slightly disingenuous the oh, way that it says uh, oh, that oh. It, when it says the original trilogy, it doesn't mean all of the original trilogy. Oh, um, I know. Um, Moff Tarkin is right at the end of Sith, isn't he? Yep, there you go, Dave Point. Yeah. Steve, three more to get. Now it gets more difficult, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'll have to hurry you. Oh, no, he, he's not alive, in it, is he? Okay, I'm going to pass it across, dead. Dave. You can have another guess. No, I can't think of any more. Okay. Yeah, give, us, give us some more time. Go on, then. You can have um, some time. Cool, I can edit this out. I can edit out time. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am God. I to can make edit you out like time. a genius. Yeah. I can edit out time. I am God. Um, Boba Fett. No. Yeah, he was. He was in. Was he not in Revenge of Sith? No. Shall I put you out of your misery? He was Please. in. Reve- he was in Revenge of the Sith. No. Not on this list. He's not. Like, oh, no, it, no, it could it was be Paul. Clones, wasn't it? The, the three oh. you're missing are um, Mon Mothma. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Oh, of course. Yeah. I had them in my mind earlier as well, and then blanked. So, scores on the doors for the Star Wars quiz. Steve, 17 points. Dave, 19 points. So, well Ooh. done, Dave. Close in oh. the end. But, to be fair, you both did really well, because some of those questions were, were, were quite tricky. Realistically, I had to lose that, because Dave comes on this podcast once a year, so <laughs> I have to wait a year for him to review whatever you <laughs> make it watch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. Oh, well done, Paul. That was a good quiz. So, with Rogue One being the first spin-off movie in the Star Wars universe, as Disney kind of looks to do what they're doing with Marvel, with Star Wars, we thought we'd take a bit of the podcast to talk about the various Star Wars spin-offs there have been in various guises. Um, we're going to go through a list that we found on Metro's website, but before that, there was this whole, barely any of it's canon anymore, is it? It's all, since Disney bought it, the only things that are canon are this, eight movies now, um, the Clone Wars TV series, the Rebels TV series, and the books and comics have been released since Disney took it over. So all this expanded universe of comics and books, of which there was a lot, now means nothing. Yeah, I've got loads of books, and I've, I bought loads for Leo as well. Literally, shelves next door are absolutely stacked 
And yeah. I've read most of them, but yeah, some some, some of them are, are really quite, good. Some some of them some of them are absolute pony. Yeah, some of them some of them are really good, and they've taken parts of it. So we'll come on to Star Wars Rebels later, but one of the most popular trilogy of books was about somebody who basically took over the Empire after the deaths of the Emperor and, and Vader, called Thrawn, and they've now even though when the Expanded universe got non-canon when Disney took it over. They've now introduced him into Rebels as a character. But the games, there's the Knights of the Old Republic game, are really popular. They're kind of like Star Wars version of Warcraft, I think. But it's not something that interests me. And then there was the Force Unleashed games, were actually pretty good console games. X-wing versus Tie Fighter, that was good. You have to go way back for me for games. Shadow, Shadows of the Empire on the N64, that was a good one. Keep keep going back. I used to sit in a cabinet and... and uh, A cabinet? Yeah, a cabinet game. In, a, in an actual amusement arcade, you'd sit in this cabinet... Oh, and, I think um, I know the one you're talking about. Is it the one where you do... Fly an X-Wing. Yeah. And you, you go down the... Down the um, you attack the Death Star in that channel and you'd have the samples. You go, you're all clear, kid. It was, it was awesome. It, it was one as well, so I'm a bit younger than you, Paul, considerably, because you're well old. Yep. The one I had, like, you do lightsaber battles in between. So you do a battle from, you do the, the first Death Star, then you do a lightsaber battle with Darth Vader, then you do Battle of Hoth, and then you do a ground mission on Hoth, and then you do a lightsaber battle with Boba Fett for some reason, and you do Endor, and then the second Death Star. And it was brilliant. Did you ever play any of these games, Dave? No, same as you. I go pretty far back. I've never played a, a, a Star Wars game in the modern era, but I had uh, one called Jedi Arena on the Atari 2600, which was just a bit like Pong, really. <laughs> it was just like, it used a paddle, and it was a strange game, like two lightsabers. And I also played a version of Empire Strikes Back, which I think was like, like a version of Attack of the Mutant Camels. Oh, do you know what? I remember this. On the it was on, yeah. I remember going to Debenhams, who had a display model of the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and they had uh, Empire Strikes Back, and yeah. it was a bit like Defender. That's it. So it's a, a side scroller, and and you just blow up the uh, the attacks as they walk towards you. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, that was it. But um, as, that's my gaming experience. I've never read any of the spin-off books. I used to have the very good encyclopedia which was all I needed really because I thought I don't need to read the novels I've just got the encyclopedia that gives you a bit of history of each of the characters uh, there's Wikipedia online which is quite good but presumably it's brilliant, all that, that, it? yeah, it's a good, really good resource but there was one book I remember as a kid Splinter of the Mind's Eye which was I think the very first non it was the first book that wasn't a film yeah I don't remember it but no I've, it's never really been my bag um, like expanded universe stuff mm. um, anyway we'll get on to the list then um, from the Metro's website the first one is Star Wars Holiday Special Dave's seen this uh, and I've seen most of it is going back to the book to back his home planet and meeting his family it's horrifying <laughs> that first 15 minutes when it's just the Wookiees talking it's like a fever dream it's <laughs> grotesque and i started watching it i've seen it in its entirety but well, i got i had a bit of time last night before the film and i started watching it and i had to turn it off it was making me it was unsettling it's <laughs> not 
good. And I know it's famously bad, the Star Wars holiday special, but it's bad because it's it's you know, it's meant to be bad because it's cheesy or corny or it kind of spoils the characters. For me, it's just unwatchably horrible. It is not good. The celebrity interludes as well and the like this story of Han and Chewie trying to get back to um it's called Life Day, isn't it? Don't call it Christmas. He has to get back to, Chewie has to get back for Life Day. And it's just Chewie's wife and kid in this tree house just yeah. making wookie noises. It's just horrendous. Gross. And um, uh, Jefferson Airplane turn up in it. It's, so, it's a really weird bit. And B. Arthur from Golden Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, such a strange mix. But it was 78, so it was... No, it was. It Was it? it oh, yeah, no, it was, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we had two Ewok films, Caravan of Courage and Ewok Adventure, and Ewoks the Battle for Endor, uh, which also will cover a few bases in one go, which also led to the cartoon spin-off Ewoks, which lasted 35 episodes. Well, I re-watched both of the Ewok films. Um, they are not good. The weird no. thing is, in the States, I think there were TV films. Yeah. Um, but I remember, um, certainly um, Caravan of Courage in 1984, w- was given a theatrical release in the UK. It's... Low budget, poorly made, and very, very specifically aimed at children. But the weirdest thing about it is, is you've got these, like, it's about these two kids who are stranded on a planet and they need to rescue their parents from this thing called the Gorax. The thing about the Ewoks is they don't speak English, and there's lots and lots of dialogue between the Ewoks. And you can see they've, they've, they're shooting, and someone's gone, Yeah, this isn't going to work, is it? Because kids won't read subtitles so it has this terrible narration explaining all the time what is actually happening it is just the only good thing about us i say about at least the ewok adventure the first one caravan of courage they use practical effects and they're actually you know half decent apart from the animals where they use real animals which is just like horses sort of ferrets and and llamas and the whole thing turns into like a mini lord of the rings where they go on this um adventure to rescue the parents but the second one the battle for Endor is bizarre. It's kind of a mixer of sort of Power Rangers sort of kitsch, Fraggle Rock, Zelda, people in Doctor Who costumes, and absolutely terrible, terrible CGI. It what, is in, in like 80s CGI, yeah, like Tron, Tron style. Yeah, it's really bad. Like you can see these CGI creatures that just superimposed on on the in the frame, and it just looks cringe. Because at least the practical effects in the first one, you, you know, you, you can give them some credit. And although they don't hold up well, it's still watchable. The second one, although the puppets and stuff and the masks are really good, everything else going on around it, the CGI is absolutely atrocious. And you've got really kitsch baddies and people in stupid costumes. And it genuinely feels like an episode of the Power Rangers. Which one had Wilfred Brimley in? Because that's the one I do remember seeing out of the two of them. That's the second uh, one. That one I did see then. I remember watching that. That's Ewoks the Battle for Endor. And he's got like a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. He's in a treehouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I remember about it. Uh, but although I think I did have the pop-up book of, of the Battle of Endor. But what leads you to give your kind of you know your your intellectual property into these terrible spin-offs? Doesn't make any sense. Money in the bank. But how's that money in the bank? Because they were, we were poorly, poorly done. Just mm. anyway, on to on to the next one. Uh, and then we had an animated series, Star Wars Droids. I don't remember this at all. No, I don't remember. Well, it's before I was born, but I don't remember seeing it since. 
Then we move on to some slightly better stuff, Star Wars Clone Wars. Now, this takes up two entries in this list. Started back in 2003, ended up being like a proper traditional animated cartoon, and he moved on to a more CGI version. I think the CGI version was actually better, but the plot basically covered between the Clone Wars movie and Revenge of the Sith movie, and it's, it's a lot of it shows Anakin and his fall to the dark side and how he's being manipulated a lot better than George Lucas could in the films. There are some poor episode you get some episodes that focus on other jedi as well so you see what they're up to and a bit of different stuff there you have some episodes that are just purely focused on the clone troopers and them as a, as a team and things like that which are quite good darth maul comes back in it he's actually pretty good um as a villain anakin as he becomes a jedi knight takes on a padawan and she's a good character as well generally it's a pretty enjoyable series i saw the clone wars movie yeah um, fun enough, we went to, I went to the opening night of that and took Leo way, way back in 2008. And I think there were like six people in there and four of them were in costume. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and the next one on this is Lego Star Wars, the quest for R2-D2. Now, I've never heard of this. Well, I've not heard of this. Um, but it's just a video game. One of these Lego video games, there's quite a lot of those about. Well, it's, so. a, it's a film of the video games. Yeah. It? And then finally on that list is the most recent one, which is still running now, which is Star Wars Rebels, which which is a, a direct continuation of Clone Wars in so much that it shares some of the characters that come out of Clone Wars and gone into Rebels. So Anakin's apprentice appears in this now um, on and off, as does some of the clone troopers. But it's about a Jedi, I think he was a Padawan at the time of Order 66, um, and he takes on his own apprentice, and it's about a group of Rebels who try and follow the Empire, Darth Vader turns up in it, Darth Maul turns up in it. And it's, again, just for, for, it, is, it is very kiddie, but it is actually very good for what is a 20-minute kids cartoon every week. It's a lot of fun. I, I've never I've never seen them. I've struggled with all of the all of the kind of animated um, Star Wars stuff. I just, I'm just not... I think you've got to be really, really into it. I, you know, I, it's just not for me. Have you watched any of them, Dave? Same as you, Paul. No, don't, I don't really like animation in that style. I'd, I'd be well up, and I know they have mentioned it, at some sort of live-action spin-off series. I'd be very intrigued by that. But no, oh, I... that's, that's coming as Nightfall as Day. Look yeah. at Marvel. They're going to be cashing in on that all over the shop. What the idea should be is Rogue Squadron done in a Band of Brothers style. That would be awesome. I'd, I'd watch that. I've pitched it. Give me the money, Disney. <laughs> I'd watch a, a Moss Eisley Cantina spin-off, all the kind of characters and their spin-off stories. like a what, like, like the Sopranos? Well, maybe not like that, but not not quite tales of the unexpected. But you know, each, each episode opens in the cantina and focuses in on a, on a person in there, and you see their kind of, you know, their their story of how they got there and and, and who they're oh, about. Yeah. Anyway, should, should we move on to to Rogue One itself? Go on, Steve. This was the first spin-off film this first film that deviates away from the, the Skywalker storyline and we all went to the midnight showing or five past midnight showing because we had to do this podcast not because we're massive nerds well <laughs> to, we did this last time but how to lose half your audience <laughs> as last year I'm really keen to know how were people's um because this is, a, you know, this is what they call like event cinema, isn't it? Going to the midnight thing. Yeah. How, how was it? Packed. Oh, really? No one in fancy dress this time. Right. Every other time I've seen a Star Wars film at cinema on the release day. It's been a few over the years, but not always midnight release. I need the last, this one and the last one. There's always been someone in fancy dress. And the same for superhero films. This one, none. But this was the first time 
other people have experienced this phenomenon before. People applauding at the end of a film. Oh, yeah. This is the only time I've had this happen to oh, me. really? Yeah. Never before. Well, Eastbourne was, um, as ever, shit. <laughs> um, really frustrating going in there. And I'd almost forgotten how bad it was because they've got these stupid house lights that they don't turn off. You could literally read a paper in there while you're watching the film. And one of them was right above my head at an angle that it was shining in my eyes. And then they have the emergency exit light, which is so bright, the light bleeds onto the screen and covers the bottom left-hand side of the screen, which makes it completely unwatchable, that part. But more than anything else, any dark scenes, I couldn't see. I was genuinely struggling to see what was actually on the screen. And I don't know if anyone else... What was your... Could you actually see? I think I'd done my local cinema out of money. Right. Because one, I used my unlimited card. But two, because I was going on my own, I didn't want to sit next to people. Mm -hmm. What I did was when I booked the tickets, I found a row of three against the wall that was empty and booked the middle one because I thought there's not going to be many ones turning up. So there's a good chance I'll have no one either side of me. Had no one either side of me. We had a row to ourselves. Brilliant. I got to my own. And they had two showings on the set at the same time. Yeah. Did you see it in 2D or 3D? I went 2D. Yeah, I went 2D. I went 2D. Well, I got there at midnight and my local cinema just around the corner and it was surprisingly low-key. There was no real... There wasn't the buzz and excitement of there was Force Awakens last year. Like, both of you guys, same, no fancy dress. And it was maybe 80% full, which I was really surprised at. I mean, yes, it is a late-night screening, but like you say, it's an event. So I, I I don't know. Was it in general just not as hyped as The Force Awakens in general? I said to my mate at work, who who's a science fiction fan, not specifically Star Wars, he's more into Trek, I said, oh, I'm off to see the new Star Wars film later. He went, oh, yeah, what's that then? I was like, are you joking? I went, there's a new Star Wars film. It's set before episode four. And he's like, oh, no, I hadn't heard of that. How, I mean, what? How can that How can that be? Am I imagining it? Or was it less hyped? It was less hyped, yeah. Because we, so we had a whole row to ourselves. There were less people than I was about. There wasn't a big buzz. I didn't have a bloke, bloke in a dressing gown trying to start a Mexican wave. Oh, well, we'll get on to this. I mean, we, could, we can address this now if you want. But it's marketed as a standalone spin-off, whatever you want to call it. But after watching it, I don't think it is. Yeah. I think this is um, episode 3.5. Yeah, I know what you mean, because my thoughts were it's a strange mix of both fan stuff and non-fan stuff. Because if you're not a fan, if you've never seen the original trilogy, you're going to be on the edge of your seat. You're going to be thinking, are they going to get the plans? Are they going to successfully transmit them? But of course, if you've seen the films, if, yeah, and if you, if you haven't seen the films, everyone really knows what happens. I'm, I'm guessing from what we've been said then, we, we know that all three of us liked it a lot. Oh, God, no. I didn't like it. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> really? Well... <laughs> Stopped, Steve stopped dead in his tracks. <laughs> no, I didn't hate it, and it's better than the prequels, but I, I, I left feeling very empty, disappointed, let down. Yeah, I, I didn't particularly enjoy it. Paul, what did you think? Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Normally, if I know the outcome and I know what's going to happen in a film, I, I'm not a big fan. Hence, I've never even bothered to watch Titanic, um, just because, you know, 
fuck it, it sinks at the end. So for this to to engage me, it was, Whoa, uh, it was spoiler there spoiler for Titanic. Oh come on, <laughs> um, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is a guy. Yeah. <laughs> but that that kind of that's for diehard for people, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> but that that kind of um, story where I know the outcome before I'm walking in has to be really good to engage me. I don't know why it's just a personal thing. And uh, yeah, this managed to do it really well. It was it was much darker than I expected. The only kind of comic relief coming from from one place. But um, Steve, do you want to, should we to rewind a little bit? Just sort of set up the film and the premise. Yeah, so the premise is obviously for Star Wars fans, they know that Episode Four, the first ever Star Wars, starts off with the Death Star plans having been stolen from the Empire, trying to be delivered to the Rebels so they can blow it up. And this film here, Rogue One, is the story of how they steal those plans. Uh, There's a bit more to it than that, but essentially that's what it is. It's how the fledgling rebellion stole the Death Star plans. Yeah, pretty much. I have to kind of look past the fact that I couldn't see what the hell was going on after time because of the like, absolutely awful projection in there. But it called along uh, upon a lot of kind of Star Wars tropes, a family on a kind of desolate planet and a, and a kid and then getting a team together and going on an adventure the first third was strong i think it struggled a little bit in the middle but the final third i thought was amazing really really well done yeah and i'm not a fan of gareth edwards either he's only really done two films of any note hasn't he before this who's handing out this kind of property to a bloke who's done two films he's done monsters which i actually liked oh, i hated um, oh, i hated it uh, and then he did Godzilla, which was very... Uh... I'm not sure I've even seen that, because I didn't like, hate monsters so much. The thing is with that, it was a really honourable effort, because it was essentially like a, a DIY movie, wasn't it? He did it all on his own, very low budget, creative, but it was so boring. And those two lead actors had no chemistry whatsoever. But he's clearly talented, Gareth Edwards. He's clearly got a good eye. Yeah. Most people I meet seem to really like monsters, so I'm glad that um, you, um, you agree with me on that, Phil. But yeah, it was bold. But then, yeah, I think I, I quite like Godzilla. It had its problems, but it, it was difficult to reboot that kind of film, I think. But again, going back to the sort of the dark nature of Rogue One, I mean, visually dark, Godzilla had exactly the same issue. I couldn't really tell what was going on during a lot of the uh, uh, monster fights. Yeah, I, I was... It was just so dark. Yeah. And uh, Paul and I both said that when we got back, having seen the whole of Rogue One, we watched the trailer, and the trailers are so, so much brighter. Yeah, it's true. I watched the I watched the trailer again tonight in in HD, and oh my god, what a difference! It's so bright and clear, and it looked amazing. And I thought back to what I was looking at last night; it was not good. Right. I mean, some some of the settings were were stunning for it. I mean. The planets had stupid names, like really stupid names. <laughs> and also, did you, know, did you notice for the first time ever they had title cards for the names of the planets? Never yeah. been done in a Star Wars film. Oh, yeah, I'd I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know whether that's Disney's interference, sort of, you, you know, saying that our audiences aren't going to get that. They're, they're not going to understand what this planet is. But, well, I think it's, I yeah, think it's it, a good it, idea, because a lot of those names, places, you know, like Yavin and stuff... I know that Luke sets up his Jedi training base on one of the moons of Yavin in the books, and so they they they, they meant something to me those names, and they were probably a little bit of fan service there without most people even realising. The the planets in Star Wars. If you go to a planet for a first time in a film in Star Wars, it, it tends to be you see that planet from space first. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that happened all the time in this one. Every time you went there for the first time, see it from space. Yeah. 
Should we um, have a little run through the characters here? Who 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 was who was doing what? Well, there was only there was only really two main characters. Everyone else was very much secondary, and whether they're under, I don't think they're underused, but they didn't do a lot. They did in terms of involvement in the plot of stealing the plans, but they didn't actually have a lot of character development or anything like that. So you had Jin Erso, who was the the main female lead played by Felicity Jones, and she was this kind of criminal that's hired by or taken on by the Rebel Alliance because her dad is the guy who is designing the laser for the Death Star very much against his will. Um, so they get her in. I thought she was fantastic. Yep. I thought she was really good. Yeah. I saw I saw her recently in, in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which which she was which she wasn't that good in, I don't think, even though that film was okay. I don't think she was that great in that, but she was she was really good in this. She well it, she had the carry the film. That was that was a the purpose of her character and she did it excellently you know she delivered her dialogue convincingly she done the action scenes well she was very much like star wars has always kind of had the female heroine front and center and she did them all justice i thought the guy alongside her um is it diego luna he plays Cassian. Yeah. I, I, he wasn't very charismatic i thought no, no but like, like i said that all these secondary well, characters he wasn't all... that he was kind of up there with her. He was meant to, he, he was meant to be the male lead, but he didn't seem to do much on screen. There wasn't much character development on him. You didn't find out much about him. He was just he's he's the like the person in charge, but really second in charge. That that was about I it. I thought really. the supporting cast outshone him across the board and specifically Donnie yeah. Yen and Riz Ahmed I thought were excellent. Yeah, they were very good. And then the other main character was um Kranich, played by Ben is it Mendelssohn? Ben Mendelssohn, yeah. yeah, he, yeah. yeah. He was very good. I've not seen him in anything else before, but he was very good. Now, he I, was charismatic. I mentioned this in kind of my, my written review, that he was quite good at being intimidating to his enemies or people beneath him, but being very intimidated by those above him. Yes. So so there's no secret Vader's in it, because Vader's in the trailer. He was very... Well, he, wouldn't, he would be, wouldn't you? But, you know, when he's confronted by Vader, he's very intimidated. But when he's talking down to someone... He's very intimidating, but he has got like that charisma that you kind of need. Bad guy. I wasn't, I wasn't totally. that taken with him. Um, and I, I know it's going to sound weird, but it was mainly due to his, it looked like his outfit. Because <laughs> obviously, that's because it's Disney. That's put him in a different coloured suit to everyone else, so you could see he was one of the main characters. It it looked like a fan had made that to go to Comic Con. It just didn't <laughs> seem right. I don't know what it was. It just it kept pulling me out of the film. <laughs> I um, I actually liked what he was wearing because it really harked back to the kind of things that bad guys wore in 1977. And it wasn't just him wearing it as well. Like some of the Rebel Alliance, they cast these actors with like 70s-style moustaches. And they, uh, am I alone? No, maybe it was that. Maybe I was thinking of it as in terms of modern day. Maybe they were trying to hark back to the original and that costume did fit in. But it just seemed jarring to me. No, Gods, what are Misa saying? I agree with Dave that a lot of the Rebel Alliance characters who are kind of in a more of a leadership role tend to have very World War Two British movie moustaches. Yeah, they they were like the people who escaped a victory who were telling them they shouldn't be playing the match mm-hmm. or or whatever. The ones trying to organise Hatch's escape, they were very much that kind of thing, but. It worked. What did we think about seeing Kung Fu then in a Star Wars oh. film? 
I didn't like it. I did. I you who seemed to like Donnie Yen. I didn't think he was good in the slightest. It was different, though, wasn't it? It was something new to the Star Wars universe. Seeing a bloke. But we've had we, we, we've had kung fu to a degree with like Sith lightsaber fights, particularly in the prequels. Not so much kung fu, but you know what I mean, like like flips and kicks and that kind of thing. But I've never really liked that whole idea of a, of a blind martial artist. I, I never like. Did you ever see the Rooker Howard film? Where he was a blind martial yeah, I artist. I think I have actually. And uh, what's the other one? The um, oh, well, there's obviously the Book of Eli. But yeah. there's um, Zatoichi. Zatoichi, you've seen that? No. That's about a blind martial artist, and it? it just <laughs> I, I, it doesn't work for me. But he, I didn't find him funny either, Donnie Yen. Even when they put the bag on his head and he goes, I'm blind. What, doing that? I'm blind. <laughs> no, I did. There wasn't a lot of comic relief in this, there was there. Pretty much all of the comic relief fell to. Uh, doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? K two S O. Two S O. Yeah. But he, but he was good oh, though. Was he was good. Really he was very good. Beautifully dry, acerbic, blunt, and and being British, I love that. It's brilliant, and it, it gave. It, it's. It was the only comic relief, though, wasn't it? It's a. It's a. Yeah, it's a darker and grittier film than probably any other Star Wars film. Empire's obviously the darkest one, but I think this is you know a bit maybe not darker but grittier than that. It's a bit more. Grounded. There's no. There's barely any force use in it, and we'll come on to that in the spoiler alert. But you know, there's there's relatively no force use in it, so there's none of the kind of magical element that comes with another star, other Star Wars films. It's just grounded in as much reality as you can with sci-fi and space. I want to talk about the the not spoilery, but the the, the space battle at the end. What what did we think? Oh, that was that was great. Yeah. That I enjoyed. Like I didn't enjoy the first two acts, but yeah, that final act, yeah, it was impressive. It did remind me a little bit of Spaceballs with the the shield. <laughs> right. <gonna>, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was good. X wings and Tie Fighters. It sure. was a classic callback, though. Again, wasn't it? We need to get that shield down. How many? I'm trying to think. How many Star Wars films actually involve having to get a shield down? There's quite a few, aren't there? <laughs> Yeah, but what do you, you know? What do you expect? Well, they want a shield. Yeah, they love a shield. We, we, should we, should we? Do you want to move on to spoilers yet, or are you? Yeah, let's move on to. I mean, so basically, for anyone who hasn't seen the film and doesn't want it spoiled, don't listen on beyond this point. If you have seen it, want to listen to discuss it in more detail, then listen on beyond this point. For those of you who are leaving us now, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next year with our Star Wars special for Episode 8. Meanwhile, listen to all the other failed critics podcasts we do, um, and go and vote in our end-of-year awards. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Star Wars Rogue One spoilers um, probably the biggest one in terms of not so much in terms of the storyline the fact of, of Tarkin being in oh, it oh. 
and the, and, the, and, the, and the CGI. I mean, the, the reveal the, the reveal was quite cool in so much yeah. it was it was Tarkin. The CGI was it was obviously CGI, but how can you not be obviously CGI? Yeah. It was very good. But I CGI. couldn't tell. I was so frustrated. I want to ask you: Was it any good or not? I could see it was. Um, I could see you know Peter Cushing's on the screen, but because the fucking shitty picture quality in Eastbourne, uh, it was right. half good. I think, I think with a lot of CGI. And it was very well done, and like you say, it was a real surprise because you see the back of his yeah. head first of all, then he turns around and you see the back of his head, and you think it's going to be like the end of Revenge of the Sith. It's, yeah, it's, it's going to actually... be right. That's talking, but it's going to cut away now. It's going to be nothing. But and... it, it it looked good, but it felt a little bit wrong. But that's classic CG. It can always yeah. look good, but it's off. It feels just a little bit out. It just yeah, because because nothing. I'm sure there were CGI aliens and whatever in it, but there was nothing because it's because it's a human and because it's a dead guy and it's such a you, it kind of it doesn't it didn't take me out of the film. And again, I said this in my written review. This didn't annoy me, whereas everything that CGI that George Lucas has gone back and put in annoys me. This didn't annoy me. And with his, with his dialogue, did they just rehash it from what he had done from A New Hope? No, because it didn't I, I, sound like him. It sounded slightly off. The guy from Holby City, one of the actors from Holby City was involved with his, the, the Tarkin bit. But listening to it, when I was watching it last night, I, part of me thought, oh, that sounds a bit like Fassbender. I wondered if they got him to do it, but it's not. He got, he got fire, fire When Ready in twice. So that was, that was cut from A New Hope. Oh, okay. I just thought it was just seeing him on screen again. And and I and I all I could think of was um, my sort of late father, who was huge Peter Cushing fan, and and I was thinking, my God, imagine if my dad was alive now, and could see, you know, Peter Cushing's been brought back mm. to life and put in a Star Wars film, he would not be able to get his head around that. I thought I I loved it. I nearly lost my shit seeing it. I think it worked. He was in it a lot as I well. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. I think it worked. And he is quite as a, as a bad guy. He has got. He, he does play it well, dead or alive, whatever CGI <laughs> or real. He does play that well. He is intimidating. He has got that kind of look about him. Totally. Um, and the other bit of kind of, well, not so much CGI, but the way they got Leia into the film. I now, I I didn't like her line in it. The, I didn't like what she spoke. But I thought the actual way they got her into the film. In terms of the way that it looked, it appeared it was absolutely fine. So it was really clever. But I didn't, I didn't like the line. She said, "What, you know, what, what was what the line?" Mean? It was something like, "What, what is?" And you know, and she got given the plans so like, "What is this?" or "What's this for?" "What's this right. do?" And she just said, "Hope." It's well, just a bit, it's just a bit. Ugh. Didn't the word "hope" appear several dozen times throughout the entire film? I'm sure when it comes out on DVD, yeah. there's going to be a supercut of all the times the word "hope" is mentioned in Rogue One. Yeah. Um, but no, I thought that I thought it looked fine. I thought it was quite clever. It happened so quickly, though. Yeah, because you could see it from behind. You, cause you knew, knew she was coming. The I knew she film. was going to appear. Yeah. yeah, you knew you knew the end of the film. I didn't know yeah. she was going to appear, but you knew the film was leading up to. You saw it was the ship yeah. that she was on at the start of A New Hope. So you knew that that directly led one into the other. The, the film was very much ending as a new as a new hope was starting, but I didn't expect. And then when she just saw her in her robes from the back, I just thought that's what you're going to see of her. When it turned round and it's a young Carrie Fisher, you think bloody hell, that's clever. Should we deal with the other um, kind of guest appearances and cameos? Obviously, 
Darth Vader. Darth Vader's brilliant. That that lightsaber thing. I was near the end. Was awesome. He was in two. He was in two scenes. I'll tell you what. When he when in the last scene he was in, right at the end, and you hear his breathing behind that mm. door. I think you know how is he still menacing? I shouldn't. I shouldn't find that intimidating and menacing. Because I'm a grown up. Yeah. Fucking hell, just that noise and not knowing you know, knowing what's coming through that door. And then when he just goes through all yeah. those people. That was good. Lightsabers yeah. going everywhere and uh, using yeah. the force choking people. Because it, it you you do forget just how yeah, threatening he was, not just as an audience, but within the within the universe itself. And James L. Jones' voice is perfect for it. Well he does he was sounding very old. I think yeah, I, 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 I think he was, but when like it's like when you go and see an old band and their voices are going a bit, but they're just playing all their old hits, you kind of tune it out. <laughs> but was it too little of Vader? No, was I think it, it was the right yeah. because otherwise it becomes a Darth Vader film. If you have too much of him, it becomes a Darth Vader film. But I think just the two or three scenes he was in was enough. Was there something off about his look as well? He, he looked a little bit too plasticky. Like if you do watch. A New Hope, he's very shiny and kind of sharp, and there was I didn't think they did a, did a perfect job. Was he, I take it he was CG'd rather than uh, an actor playing No, they had, they had a number of actors physically playing him, I think I read, I think I read it was obviously James L. Jones doing the voice, and a number of actors physically representing him not um, David Prowse because he doesn't get on with George Lucas anymore and he again, he's a very old man. Yes, he didn't, yes. didn't he think that it was going to actually be his voice when he had a thick summer oh, accent. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we saw some other um, people pop up. We obviously we saw R two and C three PO. They were just in the yeah. hangar there on uh, yeah. Yavin four, which made perfect sense. That yeah. was lovely. And Jimmy Smith popped up. Bail Organa. Yeah. Oh, and, and Mon Mothma. Doesn't he? Because he says, oh, "I'm just off to Alderaan," <laughs> and you're like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's going to work out for you, fella. And he doesn't he because he mentions about going to meet um, uh, just a Jedi, which I think obviously is a reference to Obi Wan. Yeah. yeah, I think it's Mon Mothma says to him, "Oh, are you going to get in touch with you? Basically, you're going to get in touch with your Jedi friend." He's like, "Well, he t- served me well in the Clone Wars. Um, like, we'll need basically we'll need him on board for this." Um, so that must be why the, the Leia ship was going over. Um, Tatooine anyway at the start of A New Hope she must have been trying to get to him anyway and then had to put the message in R2D2 because they got boarded the other little easter egg cameo from the uh, original films was the guy that said he doesn't like you I yeah. don't like you either I can't remember There's his name but the one that's wanted Pond, in... Pond, Ponda Baba and Dr. Everzan from the cantina yeah yeah the guys that was enough you know it was enough yeah yeah it was there was a... one last one gold leader and red leader from episode 4 in there yeah yeah. So it was, it was, was too good. much, but there was enough, and enough of them was subtle enough that it was only for kind of the fans. It wasn't yeah. as um, it wasn't no. nostalgia heavy as um, the Force Awakens, which was mm-hmm. fine, obviously, but it wasn't as, as laid on as thick. Yeah, none of it was forced, particularly like the prequels, mm-hmm. like when Chewbacca turns up and yeah. in, uh, Revenge of the Sith. It, it always seemed a bit too forced but yeah it was all very well done when we're talking about um, um, spoilers for this it was very brave to kill them all off no because we knew they were all going to die because Mon Mothma says she actually mentions the the number of Bothans that died and I know they're not Bothans no that was was, no that was Return of the Jedi the second oh was that the second one 
She wasn't. She wasn't in a New Hope. Oh, so I was just wait. So that was. So, so no, we didn't. So all we knew was that they stole the plans. We didn't know what happened to them, and then they went and killed them all. You thought. You thought at least you know Jin and and Cassian would would somehow escape the planet. Well, no, I was glad they all just died. Killed them all off. Well, I see my notes I've got here. Glad everyone died. <laughs> it really was because I was You're such a liar. Well, because no, it was a really ballsy movie. It's, it's a Disney film. Well, no, that's what I mean. It was. I, 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 I thought it was a good move. I thought it was. It was. I just thought, wow, that's that's brave because there's no way they're going to do anything else with these characters now. And it explains quite nicely why they weren't around in the original trilogy because that's what everyone will ask. Well, what are they doing when the when the original trilogy was going on? Nothing. They're dead. And they even killed off Jin's dad midway yeah. through, which mm. I, got, I must confess, because I'd spent the previous few hours in the pub before <laughs> the film, I'd actually nodded off during that scene, so I don't actually quite know what happened. But my mate nudged me away. It, Just, it does. It does put to bed one fan theory that that Ray is the daughter or granddaughter of Jin. Oh right, okay. I didn't even know that was a theory. Yeah, it's one of these things because obviously right. Ray is obviously going to be somebody's yeah. daughter or granddaughter, um, and she was left behind on that planet at the start of the Force Awakens on Jakku. And there was a theory that you know, obviously, it's a big female heroine, so Jin is going to be her gran or her mum. Obviously not, because no. she's dead. Your um, what were you sort of while we're in spoilers? What were your Favourite scenes, because the one I want to touch upon is that hammerhead ship. Yeah. I love that. Just the, the, it ramming that huge Star Destroyer, firing up its engines and forcing it into the other one and watching it fall into that ship. I thought that was... It just looked amazing. I just think that whole final battle scene from being on the planet to um, up in you know up in space, but, but also the, the planet you see first... And you've got that big fallen Jedi statue led on the ground. That's pretty cool. But do you agree that this isn't really um, a standalone film, is it? It is. It is, and it isn't because the whole it, it directly fits in to the other films into the timeline. Mm. It's not going to be like this Han Solo spin-off yeah. that's coming, which won't fit directly into the timeline of the other films. It won't be like the Obi Wan Kenobi proposed spin on the Boba Fett, but whatever other spin-off films they do, but. The main thing about the Star Wars films the nine episodes will have is that they are focused on the Skywalker family, and this film isn't at all. I, mean, I guess so. And that's that's why that's why it probably classes as a spin-off because it's not it's nothing about the Jedi and the Sith, and it's nothing about the Skywalker family it, it, or Luke Skywalker and, it, or, and Darth Vader. It is just it is. You know, the, the the force is barely in it. If there's no Darth Vader in it in two scenes, the force wouldn't be in it at all. No, and there's not much. There's not an awful lot of lightsaber action. There's not a lot of force action because um, they mention it right at the start when she says she puts that necklace on her, and I thought, oh no, please not again. And and there's very little comes back from that. Well, Dolly Yen's character speaks a lot about the force, and you think he he may not be a he isn't a Jedi, but he's kind of in tune with yeah. it. Because he, well, he's blind and he can hit he people. Repeats with a that, stick. He repeats that phrase exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm still not convinced. I, I, I can't put my finger on why I wasn't blown away by it. I didn't like the first two acts. It, it got pretty entertaining in the third act. Good action, special effects, set pieces. 
I, I, maybe I was just disappointed. Maybe, maybe I was expecting something else. Because you, there were scenes in the first teaser trailer, or maybe the second teaser trailer, that weren't in the finished film. Because there were a lot of reshoots, apparently, which is never a good sign. I got the impression from that second trailer that Jin was hired because she's a, a thief rather than because of her connection with her father. Maybe, would you think that was inserted later? Possibly. It could have, to, to make a stronger sort of story arc and tie it all in. The, th- the thing about, I, I, I believe this, this film was made by the studio. I don't think, you know, the, the, the director's got his name on it, but I don't think he really had an awful lot of, of control. He's probably told what he had to do and went out and, do, uh, and did it. But equally, I think, you know, Disney know what they're doing. And I think they've been quite brave with this one because it's way darker than we were expecting. The real test will be, or the real uh, proof of how well the thing will be with episode eight because while I love The Force Awakens, it was a lot of fun. It was a good Star Wars film. It was a rehash of A New Hope with bits of the other films chucked in. If they do the same with episode eight, I think it's not going to work. If if it, if they make it a complete... Yeah. You know, standalone, not standalone, but if they make it completely original with a few callbacks like Rogue One was, it'll be fine. Yeah, agreed. In fact, going back to The Force Awakens, when I did the podcast last year, I wasn't, again, I wasn't that impressed, but when I rewatched it in the January, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. So who knows? Maybe a second viewing of Rogue One might put any problems to bed. Yeah, I, I need desperately want to see this again where I can actually see the visuals see the, yeah. you know I want to see Moff Tarkin in all his glory I just couldn't see it it was so bright in there it was so the, the dark scenes were so awful Cineworld are a fucking disgrace they really are they don't give a fuck about showing films they just want to sell popcorn to morons <laughs> anyway so yes that is now it for this year's Star Wars special we'll be back next year with episode 8 one but obviously fail critics is out every week um although maybe not so much over the christmas and new year period although we have got our christmas special out now and an end of year special out soon um and in the meantime go to the website and read lots of reviews including my one of rogue one This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 